Hey everybody, Communications Director Jay Sokol here. College Station Municipal Court Judge Ed Spillane talks every year about how he does not want to send anyone to jail. He offers too many alternatives, things like warrant amnesty and payment plans and community service for those unable to pay fines for Class C misdemeanors or those who have outstanding warrants from his court. But apparently Judge Spillane's message to the public that indigent are constitutionally protected from being sent to a debtor's prison has drawn attention from the highest levels of our federal government and from the entertainment industry, law schools, and other universities. How? Well, he wrote a letter, and the Washington Post did the rest. Following news stories about College Station that mention City of College Station or certain things related to us, it's part of what I do, and I've got a you know, I've got some various services that help me do that. And and not so long ago, I started tracking letters to the editor or guest editorials from you in your capacity as uh, College Station's Municipal Court Judge, but also as your uh, role as president of your statewide association. And I thought that was kind of interesting because uh, you were starting to get some uh, exposure in, in markets beyond us. Uh, tell me about what was in the letter and what you were trying to communicate to people. Okay, well, um, originally it was on behalf of the organization and also our court in Texas to deal with this uh, difficult uh, problem that's a national problem of poor people being in jail due to their being poor. And so I wrote an op-ed piece that appeared in Austin American Statesman, I think, San Antonio Express News covered that. And I sent it to a couple national papers because I thought it, it's a national issue. Who knows? Maybe um, I'd get some traction. Didn't hear except from anyone except I heard from an editor from the Washington Post. They were very interested in it, but they wanted to work with me to turn it into a more national type of story. Well, before the Post, though, I saw versions of this letter, as you said, in, in a right. couple of publications, actually more than that, and it looked yeah. like they basically took what you submitted and they ran it. Exactly. That's what they did. But the Post actually took the time to reach back out to you. Right. The, the An editor with the Outlook section of the Washington Post says, I really think this is a great idea. We don't hear from judges at all, which is, you know, I think is true. A lot of judges are scared to speak at all, sure. and uh, uh, but she, what she told me, kind of the brilliance of what she told me was, I want to have some stories. I want it to be, and so I kind of made an ethical decision uh, to myself that I'm not going to give any last names. It's not fair for a defendant to appear in a national news story and uh, without their consent. So I used the first name, and I used cases that had been disposed. But I, I wrote stories, and I think that kind of transformed uh, the piece that I originally wrote, which is fairly legalistic and really focused on the legal issue, to being something that people can read and you know really understand through the stories. And then I also did research uh, in terms of nationally about this issue of indigency and, and being in jail and what, what courts are doing right and what courts are not doing right. So I added that as well. But I think the stories, using three or four people that I've seen in my career here in College Station, and also the stuff that College Station Police Department's doing, carpool, all those things, I think added to the piece so that you know the common citizen, which is, is a group I wanted to reach, I wanted to read the person on the street. Because even now, you ask people, did you know courts have payment plans? Did you know you can do community service? Do you right. know that carpool came out of a court case? Most people don't even realize that. 
Well, I guess this reached some level of a national dialogue through all the events that happened in Ferguson. I mean, they, yes. they became sort of the poster child for this issue. Exactly. And so I guess you and even sat down with me uh, shortly after that to talk about this very thing and the different approaches you bring to your court. But but my question is, and it was brought up in your in your piece in the Post and so forth, is that there are other judges in other places who just aren't aware that they are required by the Constitution exactly. to provide these these alternatives. That's right. And every time and all it takes is a few courts, but if those courts are not following the direct law, that can be used and ought to be used, at least against those courts, uh, in terms of limiting their power. And there is a big push to limit our power and I think our our power to do failure to appears and and other things it's legitimate, but you're right. There are, and, and, and so I mentioned that. BuzzFeed did an investigation and found in El Paso that they were jailing people without indigency hearings. It's very clear in the Supreme Court, on a fine-only case, your punishment is what? Fines. It's not jail time. I've had people in the jail say, I want to do jail. No, it's a fine. And if you're indigent, which you need to determine, then you get to do community service. And then if you absolutely then refuse to do everything and you could do community service, well, then jail time uh, down the road. But because of, you know, certain courts not following that, starting with Ferguson, like you said, um, the Justice Department, there's national committees. I'm part of a committee looking on fines and court costs nationally. Uh, there's a lot of examination of this, and you don't want the bad courts to, to ruin the good things that the good courts are doing. Yeah. Okay, now here's a question that I have because I, I am just ignorant on the topic. Are... It, Everyone who has a position like yours, municipal court uh, judges or, or other courts that you would sort of be referring to through this piece, do you have to hold a law license? Uh, did, did, do you have to go to law school and, and pass the bar and so forth to hold a position like that? No, um, and it varies from state to state. Some states, yes. But in Texas, justice of the peace, most justices of the peace do not hold a law license. That I know. Yeah. Now, municipal court judges, more than 50% now hold a law license. And in order to be in a court of record, to to review blood warrants and things like that, you need to be a lawyer. But there's still about, you know, 40% out there who are not lawyers. And if you look at Texas, I, I don't know all the numbers, but it, I just heard a devastating f figure. 40% of city courts, and many cities are under 5,000 people, uh, they don't have court software. That's a large number. I mean, I, I, that blew my mind. 40% of Texas city courts don't have court software. So, now so what Texas, does that mean? So that means that, you know, if you don't have court software, uh, chances are that you're so small, you probably meet once a month, and you probably don't have a lawyer judge. So there are cities uh, in which we don't have attorney judges. But uh, uh, that's changed, though. Like I said, I, more and more cities have, have adopted, uh, as College Station did about eight or ten years ago, becoming a court of record having an attorney, and, and the college days has had attorney judges for, for a long time. But there are cities out there that don't. So the, the piece runs in the Washington Post. Did right. it run in the print edition as well? Or right. Just it ran in the Sunday section, the front page of the Outlook section. had wonderful artwork, so it was, it was there on Sunday. It start, it, the Friday before is when they put it online. So tell me what happened after that hit. All right. Well, when it, when it hit, um, and, and I... I I, I'm kind of glad I did, but I, I do have a Twitter handle. I look use Twitter mostly to read other things, other people's posts. But uh, they put my Twitter handle on the print edition. They put my email. And just immediately I saw the power of the Internet. Uh, there, there were On the online piece alone, there were over 200,000 clicks. Uh, my Twitter, those who include me, 
I received lots of Twitter notes. I received emails um, from around the country, and 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 it definitely, I heard right that Friday from the Chief Justice of the Texas Supreme Court, hmm. who you know just said it was a wonderful piece. It really helps him because he's part of a committee with Ohio and Missouri looking at fines and court costs. And he, he thought it was wonderful that it displayed the good things Texas is doing, but it's a very truthful account, gave a national message. He was very complimentary. Uh, hearing from the Washington Post, uh, the, the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, made a point to call the Washington Post, that he loved the article. Wow. Um, the same day, he announced he's not going to <laughs> be nominated for president. So, I don't, but uh, uh, so, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, Twitter. Uh, I, I heard from uh, an email from uh, the head of NASA down in Washington D.C. Their their uh, lab there that he wanted to start a, a a trust fund to help. You know, he wanted to do something to help people in need, and he was motivated by the article. I've heard locally from individuals who want to be anonymous, but they want to help. You know, as well. So that's an incredible thing that I didn't even anticipate that the article would motivate people to read it through, and um, and, and want to help out. And and I received if you read the comments, there were about three or four hundred comments in the actual online piece. They're fairly intelligent. They're great. I didn't participate in those comments on the online article, but uh, a lot of good dialogue. Uh, 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 the writer, I think her name's Piper Kieran, but whoever wrote "Orange Is the New Black." She loved the article, retweeted, and so you see the power wow. of retweets because then next, you know, everyone reads it. So it's all been kind of a wonderful, um, much beyond my dreams in terms of what my original thing was, was to get the message out, not just to lawyers, but to citizens on courts that are doing the right thing, but also, you know, chastising courts that aren't doing the right thing, but putting the issue in its proper place so that, you know, the common person can understand what's going on. Did you have any idea that it would resonate the way that it has? Uh, no, no, I didn't. I, I'm glad, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I'm glad I sent it to the Washington Post. But I, even today, you know, just each day I hear from someone new. There, You know, I heard uh, today from a couple of sociologists at Harvard who want to study courts and follow people on a two-year study with finding court costs. I've sent that around to uh, uh, the, the San Antonio Municipal Court judge and other judges. So it, it has flowered great discussion. Also right now, coincidentally, I'm working with the ASL, ACLU, Appleseed, and the UT Law Clinic in terms of trying to get legislation that we all can agree with that will help, you know, courts who don't understand the law make it more clear and also make it very clear that indigent defendants, that there are alternatives and that they, you know, jail time is not an option. Not that I like this phrase at all, but do you find yourself a little closer to the tip of the spear than you ever would have predicted? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it is an amazing experience and kind of overwhelming in a way. Do you have other courts who are like, hey, thanks, Ed. Thanks for screwing this whole thing up for us. Or, or, I mean, are you getting some pushback from, from any courts you know, saying, hey, why don't you mind your own business? Not really, except and I've made it clear the ones I've talked Really, I haven't, but, but I'm sure some people, that the, the title, one thing in this process that I learned, I always heard this, but I had no role in, in creating the title. It was a and good title. It was it, it was a clickbait yeah, title. It, it, it drew, yeah, because, you know, why, it, said, it was something like, why I refuse to jail, you know, and I'm, I could see someone reading going, what is this judge saying he refuses to jail people? What what you know, it's kind of an oxymoron. It was provocative. Yeah. So, so, and 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 in a way, that's positive. But uh, as long as you know, and, and I was impressed locally, we had someone 
who you know said when I saw that title, I thought, oh, just another liberal judge. But I read it word for word, and it really, you know, he told me that it's motivated him to do something locally. He wants to do it anonymously. But you know, those who have read it word for word, I've had mostly uh, positive feedback. Wow. Well, I'm impressed because. Um you know, this thing really took a, on a life of its own. And you added to it because you, you, your office gave, put it in blog form and passed it through. Sure. So, you know, where, you, and that's the whole point. You never know who hands it gets into. And that, that's the, the amazing thing with the mult, multimedia that we have out there, outlets. But uh, you, you, you've been a big part of that. Well, and we love helping you publicize the opportunities that your court offers. And and we've always known that what you do uh, probably goes beyond what a lot of other courts do. So well, you've you. represented College Station well. You represent Texas well. So thanks for everything you're doing in this regard. Is there anything else that you want to make sure that people know uh, either about how the letter came about or, or how the message is spreading or, or what what else they can see in the future, expect to see in the future in your court? Well, we'll, we'll definitely uh, find the article. You can just Google my, my name in Washington Post, find the article, read it through, and then very happy to contact me by you know, email um, if you want to discuss, discuss the article with me. And in terms of the future, we hope for future legislation that will make it very clear um, to judges that they need to do the right thing, but also maintaining the uh, respectability of, of criminal courts in Texas. The Honorable Judge Ed Spillane. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Jay. Judge Spillane mentioned his Twitter account. It's at Ed Spillane. And he's right. A quick search of the Washington Post with his name, Ed Spillane, will produce the headline, Why I Refuse to Send People to Jail for Failure to Pay Fines. That's the story. So our thanks to Judge Spillane, and thank you for listening. I'm Jay Sokol.